This is the Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm Amit Ghosh, a general internist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The topic for today's discussion is Ask Mayo Expert and its role in COVID-19. Today, we are joined by Dr. Scott Eggers, who is Associate Professor of Neurology and Medical Editor of Ask Mayo Expert. Welcome, Dr. Eggers. Thank you, Dr. Gov. Dr. Eggers, uh, Scott, I would like you to explain to our audience, which is going to be physicians, nurse practitioners, medical residents, students, fellows, as to what is the unique Ask Mayo Expert that we have in Mayo Clinic, and what was the purpose of Ask Mayo Expert in the pre-COVID era? So Ask Mayo Expert is a clinical knowledge resource that serves Mayo Clinic's practice by delivering consensus-based clinical recommendations, protocols, and best practices to clinicians within the institution at the point of care. And so it's part of a larger knowledge management and delivery program at Mayo Clinic that aims to synthesize, organize, and deliver our vast clinical knowledge through multiple platforms, uh, Ask Mayo Expert being a, a web-based platform, but the, the information within that also serves uh, providers through the electronic medical record, uh, such as in order sets or clinical decision support rules, alerts, and, and those sorts of things. So as I see that Ask Mayo Expert is very flexible, how did uh, Ask Mayo Expert respond to the COVID crisis? Well, Ask Mayo Expert has been in existence for over a decade and really evolved as a way to help Mayo clinicians find both information, medical information, and uh, find their own colleagues within an increasingly large institution where, you know, in the old days, I may have known exactly who the expert was on every condition, and I would just pick up the phone and page them, and they'd tell me the answer to a question that I might have while I'm sitting with a patient. Uh, now, I don't necessarily know who all of those people are, and so we needed a way to both uh, provide that uh, clinical knowledge that uh, resides within uh, you know, the faculty uh, across this increasingly uh, diverse institution and have a way of connecting people. So Ask Mayo Expert really developed as a way to take those frequently asked uh, questions that, that each of us might get paged about throughout the course of our day and uh, try to distill those down into concise, actionable pieces of knowledge that our colleagues might be seeking, and then uh, make a way for those to be easily searchable. And if the information wasn't in there, uh, to also be able to have all of our experts indicate what areas of practice they might have particularly, uh, particular expertise in, and uh, have a database that easy, easily allows us to, to find those folks. So if I'm looking for a particular question on long QT syndrome, I may be able to find the information very quickly that my colleagues here developed and uh, published in Ask Mayo Expert, but if I can't find the answer uh, within the institution, uh, it will list uh, the, the experts on that condition so I can easily contact them if I have further information that I need. And so uh, over the last decade, the program has developed so that approximately 70 different practice areas, different departments or divisions, multidisciplinary groups or, or specific practice areas that serve 
uh, you know, particular conditions, have been working together to develop content in ASMEO Expert that really represents the consensus of their practices and how they uh, recommend that providers either outside of their specialty or even within their subspecialty practice, you know, evaluate and manage patients. And so that's really, AME has really been the primary clinical knowledge delivery vehicle as Mayo has sought to standardize some of its practices uh, across our institution, which now includes many clinics and hospitals in the Midwest, as well as uh, our uh, uh, main sites in Florida and Arizona, as well as Rochester. So it's an enterprise-wide consensus building knowledge management program that you're saying. And if I am a doctor uh, sitting in a remote corner of Mayo Clinic or uh, sitting in one of the Mayo Clinic health systems, uh, I have the entire knowledge of the Mayo Clinic experts, what they're what they're saying about a particular disease, and what, what I understand correctly from you. Also, if I need to call one of them, I have the liberty of looking at who are the experts and paging them or calling them and speaking about a condition. That seems to be a, a huge source, a huge resource, especially at this particular time uh, when we are at a crisis with our COVID and the knowledge is completely evolving all the time. But within this massive knowledge base which you have created specifically for COVID, because we're talking about COVID, what are the different components and where are you focusing all the knowledge? Uh, are you having inpatient, outpatient practices, unique practices? Can you tell us something more about what's covered in this uh, current database? Sure. Well, I think even in January, as we were beginning to hear about this um, virus in Wuhan, uh, our infectious disease colleagues were developing some information in Ask Mayo Expert uh, just to, to give all of our clinicians uh, some information to work from. But by February, when it was becoming increasingly clear that Mayo Clinic was really going to have to uh, prepare for what could be a, a, a massive volume of patients and really need to completely change uh, some of our practices. Of course, everyone involved in the practice, you know, began uh, making changes to the practice, whether that has to do with um, attention to isolation and uh, PPE or procedural changes or uh, changes to the surgical practice. All of the different stakeholder groups in different uh, disease areas uh, began uh, preparing for how they were going to manage COVID patients and manage their patients in general because of the COVID pandemic. And so, as you can imagine, uh, with all of these resources going into COVID, groups were creating protocols and, and uh, creating practice recommendations. And without any centralized way to house and deliver that information, I think all of us within the institution were being continuously bombarded by emails or updates to your department website or various places and it became very hard to track updated clinical guidelines or changes that were going on within the practice. So we were fortunate to already have this well-established knowledge management delivery program in place and already be working with many of the different groups and stakeholders um, in the pre-COVID era. And so it, it has been a natural transition for our team to, to really reach out to or continue to work with uh, groups across all of these practice areas and try to help bring them together so that as Mayo Clinic develops protocols and uh, practice recommendations surrounding COVID, 
that we can do it in a way that crosses departments and divisions and sites uh, to as much as possible have a consensus approach to our evaluation and management and then have a centralized delivery platform so that for clinicians at the point of care they have one primary source that they know they can go to to access the information that they need to take care of patients. Many times we are utilizing uh, the resources that have been developed by other groups within the institution. And so we're not trying to, uh, to replicate or recreate everything that's being done. For example, you know, we have a very strong infection and prevention control team that has really developed uh, all of the isolation and PPE guidelines for the institution. And so we're working very closely with them to try to uh, help uh, deliver that information uh, to providers at the point of care where they need it uh, as we develop new guidelines or recommendations for our practice. So unlike, unlike any disease that we know, this is a brand new, less than six months old disease and events are changing and being updated. So how, how does uh, the AME COVID-19 content, how is it reviewed? Is it updated on a daily basis? If there are some major changes, how are you managing that huge influx of new data? Yeah, so I mean, there are really aspects of it that are changing on a daily basis. And, you know, each of the groups that we are working with, we have, you know, one or more primary contacts so that, you know, if there are changes to our inpatient uh, treatment protocols based on new uh, uh, clinical trials that are going on or uh, changes to specific recommendations. We're on a daily communication basis with those folks so we can be updating our algorithms or our practice recommendations at any time. And so I think in the, in the first several weeks of this, you know, we've seen uh, many times a week uh, changes to our uh, screening or testing algorithms uh, based on uh, changes to uh, test availability and disease prevalence as much as possible. We've tried to standardize these things across the enterprise, but we recognize that um, due to different disease prevalence, different practice patterns or patient populations, uh, and different, uh, we also try to represent those differences where we need to, uh, because we really want to make this a, uh, a resource that's useful to the entire institution. So when you uh, are looking at the different topics, I see you have uh, categorized into outpatient, emergency department, and inpatient. Can you just briefly talk about some of the topics which are of interest to primary care providers, physicians, and nurse practitioners from the outpatient setup? Uh, what are the topics that we are looking in and what are the topics we'll find covered in COVID-19 database? Sure. We primarily chose to organize the information around care settings um, because at any given time, uh, you know, a particular provider is either going to be operating in the outpatient or inpatient practice or be in the emergency department. Um, as we've uh, developed more and more content, uh, we need to continuously reassess the best way to deliver that. Um, and we've created a, a navigator or landing page to try to provide quick links to the most frequently accessed information. And once, once they're on an individual topic, the user is uh, made uh, available all of, the, uh, all of the other information in that, in that area and, and is able to navigate uh, within, within everything. I think, you know, so for the, for the you know, for the largest group of providers, they are probably taking care of, uh, of outpatients primarily and, and uh, of course, have large 
patient populations that are not COVID positive, but they're needing to consider uh, how to manage their patients who you know, may have symptoms of COVID. And so some of the most commonly accessed information uh, are really our, our testing algorithms that help determine based on symptoms or contact exposure, you know, when outpatients, you know, should be tested for COVID. Uh, and those algorithms have, uh, have often been changing a couple times a week to try to respond to, uh, you know, changes to our practice. And so there are uh, algorithms that apply, you know, for each of our sites across the institution and, and each of those care settings, whether they're outpatient or, uh, or, or hospitalized patients or patients coming into the emergency room to determine uh, if they do require testing and then exactly what are the protocols for, you know, where to send those patients for testing and how to arrange for it. So as I'm seeing, um, you, you did mention about the COVID-19 uh, navigator and recently it was made aware to all of us that the AME content is available to everybody uh, in Mayo, within Mayo and outside Mayo. Can you, if I'm a physician practicing in an uh, outside institution, in another institution, how do I access the Ask Mayo Expert COVID-19 database? Sure, so about a week and a half ago, our, our um, Mayo practice leadership recognized that there could be value to this information if we could make it available to the wider public so that uh, clinicians or hospital systems elsewhere uh, might benefit from understanding the way that Mayo Clinic has been uh, responding to the COVID pandemic with changes to its practice. So while you know many of these, many of the information topics that you may find here have been tailored to suit specifics of the Mayo practice, I think much of it can be quite generalizable to, to the care of COVID patients. Have you found out that more physicians and clinicians and other providers are accessing your account now? I mean, I know you've been keeping a good tab, even pre-COVID, this AIM, Ask Me Expert has been heavily looked at and searched for. How is it at the present moment? Uh, right. So, you know, pre-COVID, ASMAO Expert as an internal uh, knowledge delivery tool within the institution is accessed about 30,000 times per month by our providers. Uh, since we've made the COVID information available public here a week and a half ago or so, you know, we've actually seen the public use of our COVID content uh, is, is probably outpacing the internal use. Um, and I think there have been about 5,000 users, you know, so far publicly in the last week and a half. We've also found that there continues to be a great need for non-COVID information. Uh, but our goal is to really try to um, synthesize and distill down information so that providers can quickly find the answer to the question that they're looking for with just a click or two and a, and a few seconds of reading so that they can take care of their patient and, and uh, move on. I like what you say, Dr. Eggers, about reliable, but also easily digestible in bits. Uh, when I look at your Ask Mayo Expert sites, the explanations are to the point what I need to know, not a huge amount of written words, and it tells us exactly what to do. And of course, there are references that we can always check if we need to get more information about how the decision was made. And that seems to be so, so valuable and knowing that it is vetted by different providers, different physicians in COVID, by infectious disease, cardiology, uh, gastroenterology, critical care, 
there are many sets of eyes looking at your vetted product. It, it, it makes it a much more richer content for me as a general internist when I'm looking at the data. Uh, so that, that's, I think, is a huge uh, service to um, the general physician like me. I think this is really a goal of MassMayo Expert all along. Of course, it, it hasn't been written for the general public before. It's really been intended for our internal Mayo practice where we have a culture of being able to call each other and, you know, I just want the 30-second summary of you to tell me what to do, but I know that you're the world expert on this condition and, and you have both the, the knowledge of the entire literature in your head and are able to synthesize down the information I need uh, and make it applicable, you know, for my patient within the context of the practice here. And so, you know, I think we're just trying to replicate that uh, as we deliver this kind of information through AME. At the moment, we are trying to really look at guidelines surrounding venous thromboembolism prophylaxis, uh, since there are indications that patients with COVID may be at higher risk of clotting. And so this has been an opportunity to bring together the real experts throughout the institution in thrombophilia, vascular medicine, hematology, critical care, cardiology, to bring them together in real time, discuss what we know so far, and then really develop pragmatic you know, recommendations, whether that's uh, in the ICU or patients uh, on the ward, and how do we manage, uh, manage that in the, in the face of COVID uh, and whether or not they're already on pre-existing anticoagulation. So I think information like that is most beneficial in situations like this where the literature is so early or conflicting that we don't have clear uh, guidelines from which to base uh, our recommendations. And it really needs to be our best synthesis of the available literature combined with uh, experience and expert opinion created in collaboration across the experts in our institution. And so I think that's what we're trying to do. So, I like what you say, Dr. Eggers. It looks like Ask Mayo Expert. It's like a supermarket where everything is categorized, labeled, and we know exactly where to go for what kind of food items like we go in supermarket. Here you have things boxed in, um, packed in, packaged, vetted, and looked at, quality checked. For the, for the provider, that's very, very important. My last question would be anything that we learned from the Ask Mayo Expert experience, how it has helped us, and where do you see uh, Ask Mayo Expert bringing value to our physicians with upcoming events or knowledge, or new knowledge which, which could be coming? You already mentioned the thrombophilia or thrombosis uh, and prevention as one of the examples. Yes, you know, I think as medical editor and having having worked uh, with with many of the um, stakeholder groups that have helped develop content for Ask Mayo Expert over the years, I have been extremely impressed, you know, with all of the teams at Mayo Clinic that have so rapidly come together to uh, develop consensus protocols and practice recommendations. And it has been a real honor to work with those folks, connect groups uh, so that they can collaborate. And you know, we, we recognize that within this large institution, institution sometimes uh, there are you know, two or three teams that may be working on overlapping areas. And as we can bring them together through some of the relationships that we've already developed uh, within Ask Mayo Expert, I think it, it helps the institution really develop a, a consolidated uh, consensus-based approach. I think, 
you know, the, some of the areas of, of greatest upcoming interest are really uh, in terms of the diagnostic and serologic testing now that's coming on board. Providers are very interested not only on when their patients should undergo PCR testing, but uh, what might be the role for serologic you know, antibody testing. And so we've been working with our diagnostic stewardship group and our procedural practices as they have been both developing the testing and validating it and then determining how that testing is really best utilized in different uh, scenarios, whether that is uh, to confirm prior infection for various reasons, and, and that might be something that ultimately guides things like healthcare uh, providers returning to work. Uh, of course, we don't yet know whether uh, having a serologic response uh, equates with having any protective immunity, and that's, of course, an area of great interest. Uh, but other areas where, where a combination of PCR and serologic testing may be useful, such as as we try to ramp back up the procedural and surgical practice, uh, practices and determine which patients uh, may be able to safely undergo those procedures. Uh, and so we've developed uh, robust algorithms and, uh, and uh, lists of procedures in both the outpatient and inpatient practices where patients may safely be able to undergo those without any testing or where, where they may require uh, pre-procedural testing two or three days before those scheduled procedures to make sure they can be safely done. And of course, this kind of information is also necessary for patients that might be planning to undergo chemotherapy or other immunosuppressive treatments uh, or might be potential donors for convalescent plasma. So I think that's a very exciting uh, area that uh, is just coming on board here in the last week or so. Thank you, uh, Dr. Eggers. For me as a physician, I'm, I'm happy that I am supported by Askmir Expert, which is a vetted knowledge of uh, experts among 3,500 physicians that we have in our clinic. So at any time I'm looking at your Askmir Expert, I know when I'm talking with my patient, I have, I'm speaking the consensus of what our experts are saying, and I also have the ability of talking with the experts. But from my standpoint, you are really carrying a huge load, trying to keep all of us current, trying to keep your database current of Ask My Expert. And then as an editor, I can't thank you enough for doing what you're doing. Uh, any last words for us? Well, I think we're just very fortunate to have the support from the practice and the institution to have such a strong knowledge management and delivery program in place uh, so that in situations like this COVID crisis, uh, we've been well positioned to help the institution uh, bring stakeholders together to develop and deliver this clinical information out to providers. And thank you, Dr. Eggers. And again, I would conclude by recommending our Ask Mayo Expert COVID-19 content uh, to all of you, those who are listening. Uh, this is reviewed and updated daily, and it contains enterprise-wide guidelines on all aspects of care, especially the ones you are interested, testing, outpatient management, inpatient evaluation, respiratory management, drug treatment, clinical trials, care to special populations, and site-specific contact information, which is an internal source for us, but can help you also if you want to connect with us. And a new COVID-19 navigator has been created to allow clinicians to quickly find the most commonly needed information from any device anywhere. So thank you 
for listening uh, to today's podcast but if you enjoy the mayo clinic podcast please subscribe stay healthy and see you next week thank you